Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is May 7th. In 1992, the Space Shuttle Endeavour launched on its second mission from Kennedy Space Center in Florida. It was a historic mission. On board were the first black woman in space, Mae Jemison, the first married couple in space, Mark Lee and Jan Davis, and the first Japanese national to fly on a U.S. spaceship, Mahamaru Mari. The crew also included Commander Robert Gibson, Pilot Curtis Brown, Lee Jr., Lee, Davis, Jemison, and Jay Apt were mission specialists. Mori was a payload specialist. Endeavour was the last spaceship shuttle ever built. It was built after Challenger was destroyed on January 28th of 1986, when it exploded just after liftoff, killing the seven astronauts, including civilian school teacher Krista McAuliffe. Also killed were astronauts Gregory Jarvis, Judith Resnick, Dick Scobie, Ronald McNair, Michael Smith, and Ellison Onzuka. The Endeavour crew performed microgravity investigations according to NASA. Materials science investigations covered fields such as biotechnology, electronic materials, fluid dynamics and transport phenomena, glasses and ceramics, metals and alloys, and acceleration measurements. Life sciences included experiments on human health, cell separation and biology, developmental biology, animal and human physiology and behavior, space radiation, and biological rhythms. Test subjects included the crew, Japanese koi fish, cultured animal and plant cells, chicken embryos, fruit flies, fungi, and plant seeds, and frogs and frog eggs. According to NASA, the crew was split into two teams so experiments could be done around the clock. Jemison received her doctorate in medicine from Cornell University in 1981. She worked as a general practitioner, then spent several years with the Peace Corps. In 1987, she became one of 15 candidates selected to NASA's astronaut program out of a field of 2,000 applicants. Endeavour was her only space voyage. She left NASA in March of 1993. Endeavour's mission lasted more than seven days. It traveled 3.3 million miles and returned on September 20th. Space Shuttle Endeavour was retired in 2011 after 25 missions. It was transported on the back of a NASA-modified 747 carrier aircraft to California and then moved over to Los Angeles City Streets on October 12th through the 13th of 2012 to the California Science Center in Los Angeles. The center describes the move on its website. Moving Space Shuttle Endeavour across the United States was a massive undertaking. Endeavour first flew on the back of a Boeing 747 from Cape Canaveral, Florida, Edwards Air Force Base in California, while making several stops along the way. After arrival, Endeavour honored many California landmarks as it flew over the state from Sacramento to Southern California, while onlookers marveled at the sight all along the way. After landing at Los Angeles International Airport, the biggest adventure was yet to come, transporting Endeavour through the heart of urban Los Angeles to its new home in the California Science Center. At 78 feet wide, 57 feet high, and 122 feet long, longer than two school buses, navigating the streets of Los Angeles and Inglewood required the guidance and skill of over 100 people. Police controlled traffic, engineers and technicians lifted power lines and took down traffic lights while approximately 1.5 million people lined the sidewalks to celebrate the event. Photographers and filmmakers were on hand to document this once and forever moment in history. 
In between 1950 and 1960, 20 million people were drawn to mass housing developments on the outskirts of America's cities. In terms of sheer numbers, the move to the suburbs outstripped the fabled westward migration of the 1800s many times over. The new suburbs combined country comforts with city conveniences. With the help of modern promotion, production, and financing methods, builders like Levitt and Sons made the American dream of home ownership affordable to millions. Returning war veterans sparked an unprecedented demand for housing after World War II. Cheaper materials and government-backed mortgages enabled home buildings to meet that demand. Started in 1929 by attorney Abraham Levitt, Levitt & Sons quickly became one of the nation's largest home builders. During the 1930s, the Levitts custom-built a few hundred houses a year, mostly on Long Island. In 1941, the firm won a government contract to build 2,200 defense housing units in Norfolk, Virginia. It was Levitt's first, but certainly not last, venture in mass housing. The first Levitt town sprang to life in 1947 on 1,200 acres of potato fields on Long Island. To speed production and cut costs, Levitt ordered two basic house types. The scale of the project attracted national attention and made Levitt and Sons a household name. Veterans and their families applied by the thousands to rent and later buy one of Levitt's mass-produced homes. In 1950, Time magazine estimated that Levitt and Sons built one out of every eight houses in the United States. Levitt remained the nation's largest home builder through most of the 1950s. In 1998, Time again recognized Levitt's significance, calling his developments as much as an achievement of cultural movement as Venice or Jerusalem. Critics, though, link Levittown with the beginnings of suburban sprawl. Unlike other builders who merely constructed houses, Levitt built entire communities. Pennsylvania's Levittown was one of three packaged suburbs developed between 1947 and 1959. The third Levitt town, located just across the Delaware River in New Jersey, changed its name back to Willingboro in 1963. While Levittown, Long Island catered to veterans and Manhattan commuters, Levittown, Pennsylvania targeted blue-collar workers in the Delaware Valley. Promoters touted the region, just northeast of Philadelphia, as America's Ruhr Valley. Writers, artists, and social critics derided mass housing developments as dull and shoddily built. While defending the integrity of his work, Levitt recognized some of Levitt's town's shortcomings, particularly its lack of housing variety and vowed to make improvements with his next project. Using surrogate agents, Levitt produced, uh, purchased a total of 5,700 acres, mostly farmland, from between 150 and 175 individual property owners over several months in 1951. By buying his property in one fell swoop, Levitt hoped to avoid the piecemeal acquisitions that plagued the development of his Long Island community. At the time, nearly everyone viewed the opportunity to own a home in the suburbs as a sign of progress. By the 1990s, however, many believed that unchecked suburban development or sprawl threatened farmland and open spaces and undermined the vitality of American cities. Although the goal of Levittown was to house people in lots of them, by arranging his houses around neighborhoods to draw drawn to human skill, Levitt hoped to create a small-town feel. In addition to houses, Levittown's master plan called for swimming pools, baseball fields, churches, schools, and shopping centers. Levitt believed new homeowners preferred a full-service community with built-in features just like its houses. Elementary schools were to be nestled inside of each master block so that in Levitt's word, no child will have to walk more than one half mile to school across any major road. Levitt's plan included Olympic-sized swimming pools, Little League baseball fields, neighborhood parks, and a multi-purpose community building. An avid baseball fan, Levitt even built a regulation major league field in the hopes of luring minor league teams to Levittown. By building a few large centralized shopping centers, Levitt hoped to avoid the problems associated with haphazardly placed and often unsightly commercial strips. 
Levittown's main shopping center was not only large at the time, but the biggest shopping center east of the Mississippi, but also meticulously landscaped. The RMS Lusitania was torpedoed by a German U-boat on May 7, 1915. The luxury passenger liner was crossing the Atlantic from New York to Liverpool when the German submarine U-20 fired without warning. After a second explosion, the cause of which is still debated, the ship quickly sank. It went under in 18 minutes, killing 1,200 of almost 2,000 passengers and crew on board. On February 4th of 1915, Germany had declared a war zone around Britain in which any shipping, military or civilian, would be sunk on sight. During the stages, early stages of the war, U-boats followed prize rules. They would surface before attacking merchant ships, carry out formal searches of the cargo, and allow time for passengers and crew to escape before the ship was sunk. Germany eventually abandoned prize rules and began its campaign of unrestricted submarine warfare, partially due to the British introduction of Q-ships, warships disguised as merchant ships. Lusitania was launched on June 7, 1906. It had been specially built to be easily converted to a warship and was registered with the British Admiralty as an armed auxiliary cruiser. Following the outbreak of the First World War, it continued to operate as a passenger liner despite being used to carry British war material. The sinking of RMS Lusitania caused international outrage and helped turn public opinion against Germany, particularly in the then-neutral United States. Of the 1,200 people killed, 128 were American citizens. But the incident did not immediately bring the United States into the war. Instead, the American government issued a severe protest to Germany. Following immense pressure from the U.S. and recognizing the limited effectiveness of the policy, Germany abandoned unrestricted submarine warfare in September of 1915. The Lusitania became a focus for British and American propaganda and was used to bolster recruitment efforts. However, Germany claimed the sinking was justified because munitions were being carried on board. In the days prior to the Lusitania's final voyage, the German embassy also had published warnings in American newspapers stating the dangers and risks of traveling through the war zone. Germany resumed its campaign of unrestricted submarine warfare in February 1917 after failing to take control of the sea at the Battle of Jutland the previous year. This, along with the interception of the Zimmermann telegram, brought the U.S. into the war against Germany on the 6th of April, 1917. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com Space Shuttle Endeavor at PennLive.com Levittown, New York at StateMuseumPA.org and Lusitania Sunk by Torpedo at www.iwm.org.uk The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.